today's Leading Women episode 410 with the wonderful Susan Axelrod. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Podcast your passion. Yes, did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference, and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing, talking to wonderful women every day. Here are today's leading women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Susan Axelrod. Susan Axelrod and the word pioneer go together like cake and frosting. As the chairwoman and founder of Love and Kishes Gourmet, Susan's journey has paved the way for women entrepreneurs. She started her business with no formal training, only a passion for food. Coupled with her energy and tenacity, Susan was able to take her small business worldwide. Today, these desserts and quiches are found in restaurants and retailers around the globe. Susan chronicles her experiences in her blog, Susan's Sweet Talk, and her book, With Love and Quiches, a Long Island Housewife's Surprising Journey from Kitchen to Boardroom. For more information, I'd love for you to visit www.loveandkishes.com. Women of the world, Miss Susan Axelrod. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I am delighted to have you in the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Susan, I really love what you're doing with your business, especially with Love and Kishes. You are a success in your own right. You put in the effort, you know, the sweat equity, the knowledge and experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment anytime about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. So let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind the niche? Mine is a, uh, a wholesale bakery business. We are a behind-the-scenes supplier. We started. I started in my home kitchen just by accident in 1973. And before I knew it, I had a tiger by the tail. It was our product that put quiche on the map as an alternative to the hamburger. I knocked on a thousand doors. I overcame a thousand challenges. And I built a business one step at a time by building slowly. What I did is we first supplied the New York metropolitan area. Then we added products to our line, not just quiches, but we started making some desserts, some pecan pie, chocolate cakes, carrot cakes, brownies, things along that line. So first I supplied the New York metropolitan area. Then we moved slowly to the New York tri-state area, which is Connecticut, New Jersey, 
and uh, New York. And then I went up and down the seaboard, uh, the eastern seaboard, and then I went across the country. And now we do, uh, we supply our products globally. During that time, of course, this took four decades. So it was always one step at a time, building an organization with a firm foundation, building an organization that could um, carry out maybe the um, what, what I had started. You cannot operate as a one-man band. So I think organization building, which I'll talk about a little bit later in this interview, is one of the keys to our success. But we are um, recognized, <clears throat> excuse me, we are a recognized supplier uh, nationwide. Uh, and now, of course, with the uh, internet we have, and social media, we're becoming more known in other places and we supply and ship our products all over the world. I love what I'm hearing about your business. And that has been a theme here at Today's Eating Women because it all starts with your with a passion, what you're passionate about. And for you, for, for Susan, for example, it started as her passion for food. And then she built this business one step at a time. Now it is recognized as worldwide supplier of this love and kitchen um, that the bakery that she has out there that's providing well, worldwide it's providing not only restaurants but airplanes for example and other uh, other organizations other institutions that are they are supplier of so great that you shared along with us because that's a great story that our listeners can learn from but what continues to inspire you doing this business well when i first went into business i had a partner it was actually not my idea to go into business it was hard to do something but as we built this grew, of course, it was a very small business at the time. This is 1973. My uh, partner realized that it was a hobby. And she wanted out very early. She didn't realize that any business is 24, uh, that you own yourself is a 24-7 operation. And you can't pick and choose what uh, times you will spend. You have to, it's the business that dictates what time you will spend and what you need to do next. So she wanted out very early and what happened was I bought my own business and I had to assess what I bought. So I wanted to hang around to see how the movie ended. I learned how to run a business. Um, I did it just by doing it. I developed skills that I never knew I had until I just did it. I depended upon learning from my professionals, from my suppliers, from my customers. I watched my competition and from my employees, especially in the beginning. But now we have employees who are much more skilled than I am in their particular, uh, their, their kind of a, uh, we have a world-class organization now. Very, very skilled people in different departments, whether it's operations, research and development, and I'm still learning from them. So I just knew that I could do this thing. I said, I can do this thing. And then it was our product that actually put Keisha on the map as an alternative to a hamburger. We started that trend uh, when I first went into business. And I did that, as I mentioned, by knocking on a thousand doors. Um, it's just, so we have that behind us. That's one of our claims to fame. And that's how we build our reputation. So I think it just has to do with, I developed ambition early on and I knew 
that I could uh, build a business that would have some longevity that could uh, contribute to the uh, that contribute to the to the food story around the world, and that's probably what continues to um, inspire me. That I have built this organization that has some meaning and that can sustain itself even without me. That's mm. the important. Mm. So that the drive to to provide longevity for your business and being able to contribute to the food story of the world. What inspiring, what a compelling vision that one is. Great that you share that one with us. And for our listeners out there, I highly encourage you to write a vision for yourself. What inspires you to do this business? What continues to get you excited every day? What is your vision for your business, for your company, for that passion that you have in you? And start from there because that passion, that inspiration, or that vision is going to guide you. It's going to give you direction from where you want to go to where you want, from where you are to where you're going to go, just like what uh, Susan just shared with us. Now, let's talk about how you prepared for success to turn this idea or that turn this inspiration into a reality. Can you share our listeners what are some of your personality traits or your top three personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from? Well, I think that one of them is my leadership skills. That also I learned on the job. You have to learn to leave your ego at the door and let the others bask in the glory. I have developed a tremendous capacity for work. I have learned to take a risk. I have learned from my mistakes. You know, if you haven't made any mistakes, you haven't been anywhere. I have the ability to prepare for um, the inevitable setbacks. There is no straight line to the top. There will always be setbacks, and you have to learn to overcome them. Kind of pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and move on. Another skill is the ability to make a decision. Uh, it's very important not to second-guess yourself, to make a decision and then to go with it. So, um, there, you know, and then also, fortunately now for all um, younger people or people starting their second careers, that there are many, many more uh, resources now than there were when I went into business. So um, they can go to places and network and they can uh, go to the SBA to uh, maybe gather some resources. I think um, that's, that's what you need. You need, to, you need to make sure that you have what it takes, that you can take the pain. Because business hurts. <laughs> There's no way around that. There's always going to be setbacks and you have to be prepared to live with them and to move on. I think that's the most important thing that I can tell your listeners. All right, so that's having that leadership skills, ability to take risk, ability to prepare for setbacks, and of course, the ability to make a decision and go for it. Great personal qualities or traits here that Susan just shared with us. And the good news is that we can all cultivate and adapt these traits in our lives. Now, let's talk about what happened when you started your journey as an entrepreneur. You know, as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being. And 
To get to those challenges takes a very special person and our audience wants to know that special person you. So what have been your biggest challenges building your business and how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? Well, first of all, um, as I had mentioned, I was a pioneer. I was really on my own. I was learning on my own. So I knew that it wasn't just me, that I had to deliver the goods to my um, uh, supplier, to, to my customer base. I had to, um, I knew that um, I had to supply them with a quality product, with a consistent product, that they could depend upon me, that we would be delivering on time, that we would be able to follow up with questions, uh, how to serve our products, and so on and so forth. So it was uh, a challenge was building a reputation as a reputable supplier because there's plenty of competition and other people out there wanting to get those customers that and you have to hold on to your customers. You have to earn them, you have to deserve them, and you have to constantly um, uh, you have to constantly uh, let them know that you are there and that you're not going anywhere. There were other challenges, of course, along the way. There was 9 11. Uh, you know, as a supplier, people in the food business were almost um, were set back so far after 9 11. Of course, it was the great tragedy of our country, but it also hurt so many businesses. One of our um, channels of business or the airline uh, business. It was at that time about 25% of our volume. And we ended up um, losing uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of orders, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of inventory that we were stuck with that were now totally irrelevant uh, inventory, useless inventory, non-saleable inventory, and things like that. So we used 9-11 as a transformational point in our business. We reinvented ourselves. We changed our business model. We went to lean manufacturing, which means that um, and we got some training for that, that there was no extraneous movements, that everything has its place, no excess inventory, no excess anything. We brought the work to the workers instead of the other way around. We went to just-in-time method of manufacturing, which means that rather than um, having so much inventory in warehouses waiting for the phone to ring, we wait until the orders are in-house, and then we spring into action, produce the product, and order in the ingredients to produce those products. So that we don't have excess inventory that also augments our cash flow. Then, of course, there were so many other challenges. There always are. There was the Great Recession in 2007 when everything came to a dead stop. So you have to learn to gather your resources, to preserve your resources, to try to limit your mistakes so that you can get through these times that you have no control over. So you have to build that firm foundation and make sure that when these challenges come your way, that you have no control over, that you can survive and move on. And that means keeping your pipeline filled, making sure 
that you always have new targets for customers um, that you're working on because you never things happen and you'll always lose customers. There is always uh, some customers that will fall off. They maybe they go out of business or maybe they bring in a new chef who has his own suppliers and so on and so forth. So and then even Hurricane Sandy in many ways. Uh, uh, was a setback for us and so many other businesses. Don't forget, we were on the eastern seaboard. So there's never a straight line to the top. And those are the important messages that I bring forward in my book, how to survive those setbacks. setbacks. In my book, it's almost like a roadmap in, uh, you know, so the first half of the book, what not to do, but there are lessons in that also. Wow, great lessons, lots of lessons there in this uh, challenges that you have shared with us. Building that reputation as a reputable supplier, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this, especially to those who have a business like what Susan has, uh, being a supplier to, to a company or to, uh, to an organization or to an institution. And of course, dealing with economic conditions that we have just had, uh, especially where the, where the, the down economy, for example. I mean, but that one, like what Susan just shared with us, that give us, if you look at it in a way that it will give you an opportunity to reinvent yourself, to reinvent your business, that then you can overcome the challenges because uh, so, some of the challenges we don't have any uh, that are beyond our control, but we just have to find a way to put it as a, to take it as an opportunity to reinvent ourselves, to look at how we're going to be able to, to maximize uh, this, how we're going to be able to, what, what, what can we learn from this, for example? Um, and then also to keep our pipeline. I mean, marketing our business, it should be a constant uh, activity for us to keep looking for those customers, to keep looking for those clients, for those customers, for those prospects that we want to serve for our business. So there are great lessons in what Susan just shared with us. So let's learn from how she was able to overcome these challenges so that when it happens to us, we know what to do. So great that you shared that one with us. But let's just switch gears for a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, being a business owner myself, Maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. Now, the challenge with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create a work-life balance, particularly if you have a family juggling many roles. So in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business? Um, one thing I think uh, your listeners have to accept is that owning your business is pretty much a 24-7 proposition. And to fight that, especially in a competitive arena that I am, to fight that is uh, not a very um, healthy thing to do. So you have to accept that things happen, and that's a given. But there are some things that I do to um, overcome that. First of all, I walk a lot. I'm talking about eight, 10 miles uh, on a weekend, things like that. I read a lot. Reading keeps me sane. Um, I live in New York City, so I take advantage of that. There are museums, there's theater, there's Central Park. And then also, I, I'd like to tell your um, listeners that my business has a segue into a family business. 
And of course, that has its own set of challenges. But my husband, and then my son, and then my daughter joined the business as the decades went on. So we are um, partners in every sense of the word. So that's, of course, another set of challenges. But we learn and we try to keep the personal out of it when we're um, interacting within the business and to keep it separate when we're outside maybe on the holidays or a day at the beach or out to dinner. Um, we try not to talk about business. So you have to learn to step back. I do it by my reading, by my walking, and then by travel. My husband and I take a major trip uh, every year for uh, about two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. And we have visited almost every place in the world. Every time we plan our next trip, we have to try to think where we haven't been yet. Um, you know, we've been to China, we've been to Vietnam, we've been to India, we've been to South America, we've been all over the world. And that's one of the things that keeps my interest. It's not that we don't walk the streets and look for the bakeries, but it's a way to step away. And when we are traveling, I do not call into the office. I do bring my um, iPad, but I only check it once in a while. I never interact, I never send emails, and I never talk on the phone when we're away. When we are away, we are gone. And that's been important to keep me sane because I'm in a very, very difficult business. Food business is a difficult business. It's not as glamorous as people think. It's really, um, you know, the clock starts ticking. Uh, the minute the uh, product comes out of the oven, there's sh uh, shelf life problems. You have to keep the product frozen. You have to ship it frozen all the way across the world. So um, I have to make sure that I don't stop doing the things that help me to step away, whether it's my reading or my walking. And I talk about reading a lot in my book, too, especially in the quarter at the end. I give a list of my favorite books, those business books and novels. Great tips there in terms of this work-life balance that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are challenged with because I myself are challenged with every day. But I love those tips that Susan just shared with us. I mean, all understanding that owning your business is almost a 24-hour job, but it all depends on you how we're going to be dealing with this. So for example, with Susan, she loves to read, she loves to walk, she does activities. So go out and do activities that you enjoy. Step back, learn to step back from your business and be totally immerse in the present moment that what it is that you're doing at that moment involving your family in the business is a great way to 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 do this as well keep it separate but, but of course learning to keep it separate when you're outside or on vacation not talking about business but be in the moment be able to enjoy that moment with with the people around you uh, at that moment, for example. And of course, taking trips every year to places that you enjoy. It's really important to remember that we need to go to step back, uh, not just business, business all the time, but we need those times to rejuvenate, to refresh our mind, our body, and taking step away from business. That really helps us with our productivity, with our focus, with our creativity. So I know for our listeners out there, sometimes the last thing in our mind is going on vacations or stepping back or taking time off. But it's really important to understand that you need that to refresh, to rejuvenate, to 
to refocus again, to re-energize. And especially for those who are just starting out, it's really important to understand way from the get-go that you need some time to really disconnect and you nurture yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally. Do this tips that uh, Susan just shared with us, really helpful for you to be able to maintain this work-life balance. All right, Susan, let's talk about success and what success means to you. Your business appears to be financially doing quite well, and with that success flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now, we'd like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful? Financially, yes. Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? One of them, of course, is money. You have to be financially uh, successful. A business cannot sustain itself on the glory. You have to do it for the money and not for the glory. Of course, there are some rewards, uh, recognition, uh, um, uh, speaking engagements, the fact that I have written a book and that people are reading it. Um, that's one thing. The other, um, I think, has to do with building my organization. To me, to have built an organization that can um, sustain itself without me, that I can be a leader with my hands behind my back, that I can step away from uh, the day-to-day running of the business um, is a very important benchmark of success. Um, I think that the fact that I realized that we cannot be all things to all people and that we have clarified our image and that our market knows that they can depend upon us and um, they come to us for our expertise and for our products is very, very important. I think that um, it's also important to realize that they're really still is a glass ceiling um, out there. And that the fact that I, as a woman, have uh, is a very well-recognized and well-respected member of the uh, greater food service community is also a measure of our success. All right. I love those benchmarks that you have shared with us. And yes, for our listeners out there, being profitable, being profitable, I mean, the financial metrics uh, are important being in business because one of our benchmarks is to be profitable in order to sustain the business. So one of our, so don't shy away from uh, from really your goal to be in your business to be profitable because when, once you are profitable, money. And, and the success and the meaning of success to you transcends beyond it. It's your vehicle to achieving whatever that it is that you want. And I truly believe that those intangible benefits of being in a business is what truly makes us happy. It transcends beyond the money itself. But of course, that is an important benchmark that we have to strive for because otherwise we won't be able to sustain this business that we are passionate about doing. Great perspective there. Now, let's talk about one of the highlights of our show, and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be, especially to those who want to follow your footsteps. 
you obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience. So take it back to the past. Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learned would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? I think not only do you need a good idea and a good business plan, but you need to make sure that there is a market for your product or service. And that the knowledge that a, a great idea is not, that your great idea is not already being filled by others. You have to say, can I do it better? Better quality, maybe at a, a cheaper price. Maybe uh, can I supply my market quicker than uh, my competitors? Because the uh, you know a great idea is is one thing, but getting your market to pay for it is another. So you have to make sure also that your market, your pipeline, your prospective customers. Um, you have to make sure that your message is crystal clear to your target market. You cannot be all things to all people. For example, we are considered a high-end supplier. In other words, our layer cakes and our brownies and whatever other products we make here and so on and so forth are a higher quality than some of our competitors. Um, but they have to pay a little more for it. So you have to like um, make sure that your market knows who you are. We cannot make a brownie that's going to sell for 50 cents because it costs us almost 50 cents to make that brownie, so to speak. So you have to make sure that your target market knows who you are, what your services are. You cannot be all things to all people. And this helps to clarify your image. And now with today, we're all on the social media and the internet and so on and so forth. Um, you can get that message across uh, much more quickly where uh, we couldn't do it uh, ahead of time. But also you have to realize that a business like mine, which is a product-oriented and not a service-oriented business, is a, a show-and-tell kind of business. In our case, since it's food, we have to get our products into the mouths of the buyers. In other um, businesses, let's say the service business, you just have to demonstrate that you can help that business make money, that you can help your customers do better. And that would be my best advice, to clarify your image, to make sure you um, supply products and services that are value to your customer base, that they can make money from you, and that they can depend upon you for continuity, whether it's a service or whether it's a product. Wow, golden nuggets in those tips that you just shared with us. So let me just summarize them again for our listeners. So the first one is to not just have a great idea, a business plan, but know that you have a market for it. The second one is to make sure that your messaging is 
crystal clear to your target market. Meaning, whatever that you do is, ta- is speaking or is talking to your ideal client, to your ideal market. What's it that they want? How are you going to be able to deliver this? And like what uh, Susan just shared with us, you cannot be all to all people. You really have to hone on that target market. Who is your ideal market? Who is your ideal client? And speak to them. Speak to those group of people that you want to serve that are going to be a fan of your product or your service. And of course, the third one, like what, uh, what Susan and just share with us if you are product oriented business like what she said it's a show and tell business you really have to deliver and make sure that your product says what it is it is and if you are a service oriented business or provider demonstrate that you can help them demonstrate or provide results show them results that they can achieve by um, by your service or by your product so great takeaways there great lessons that we can all take action on today so I'll make sure to have those on our channels. Now, entrepreneurs are wide readers. Can you recommend a book or two that our listeners can get that will help them grow personally and professionally? Yes, I can. One of them is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. He is a very uh, widely read and respected and recognized business um, writer of business books. Another is a smaller book by a Maria Bartiromo. It's called The Ten Laws, Laws of Enduring Success. Um, Maria uh, Bartiromo is a, a financial uh, correspondent in the uh, New York metropolitan area. She's on TV and so on and so forth. And it's a small book. And it's not a bestseller, but it's beautifully written. And it's uh, partly inspirational and partly solid advice, a lot like my book. I'm hoping that some of your readers, or all of your readers, will read my book. Particularly in the end, I put together, I tell the story of my business. I don't um, uh, want to compete with the Stephen Coveys of the world. I couldn't, and the book, you know, Good to Great, I couldn't compete with that also. But the sto- it tells my story. It's like an entrepreneurial roadmap. It tells the story from A to Z how I started a business by accident in 1973 and built it to a global operation that it is today. And particularly in the end, I have a coda where I list, uh, we call it recipes for success. And I list 30 that I think are very, very important business rules of the road that people need to keep in mind at all times, at whatever level, and for whatever business has to do with um, training. It has to do with taking one step at a time. It has to do with making sure that you build a strong banking relationship. It has to do with not letting one customer, uh, one of the rules, not letting one customer amount to more than 5% of the total volume and things like that. I think that my book is a very solid um, advisory in how to build your own business and how to be an entrepreneur. And it's actually now being taught in some, uh, you know, on a small level. The book wasn't published too long ago and some during some college courses and uh, universities in this area having to do with um, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship and business ownership. Yes, yeah, so that's Love and Kishs by Susan Axelrod. I highly encourage you, our listeners, to pick up that book. I'm sure we can all learn from her journey 
for her entrepreneurial journey, her entrepreneurial story from where she, she, from how she goes from where she came from to where she is today. I'm sure there's a lot of lessons that we can take, uh, action on there from her book. I love for you to go there and check on her, check up her book, Love and Kitchens, and that's available on Amazon and also through her website and also in Barnes and Noble on iTunes as well as an iBook. Um, it's available in all formats. So that's Love and Kitchens. Kishes by Susan Axelrod. Of course, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's a classic that we can all uh, learn from. It's a classic book that we should have. And I'd love, I will make sure to have this on our show notes as well. The book that I highly encourage you to come pick, pick it up and read and uh, be reread it again because I'm sure reading stories like this, uh, stories of uh, Susan, for example, her journey as an entrepreneur, her journey from how she got started from, from her uh, with her business today, how she got from where she is today. That's really an inspiring book. I love those kinds of books because it really inspires us. It really shows us what we what's possible for us to achieve. So for our listeners out there, that book, um, Love and Kishes by Susan Axelrod, I'd love for you to go pick it up. But Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or from her website, loveandkitches.com. Now, last but not the least, Susan, share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you? And then we'll end from there. Well, um, first of all, our product... <laughs> The best benefit, is, of course, is the pure eating joy. We are the behind-the-scenes supplier. Most of our clients serving our quiches and desserts as if they are made in-house. Most of your listeners, I'm sure, have been served our products somewhere, somehow, whether on airlines or perhaps in the military. Our products are back-of-the-house friendly, if you, any of them are restaurant owners. Um, they are well packaged, they're ready to thaw and serve, they're all pre-portioned. We take as much work as we can out of our products for ease of use. And now, of course, we are embarking on a new initiative to build the Love and Keisha's Gourmet brand on the retail side of things. So I'll let you know, maybe we'll talk again next year and let you know how that uh, how that's going. Um, so those that, that, that I guess is the, uh, you know, the benefit of our product you know we're very very specific we sell food that's what we do they do products all right and what's the best way that they can connect with you and where they can learn more about your product and about your book as well well they can visit our website at www.loveandpieces.com and i still maintain my blog, which is www.susansweettalk.com. That's with two S's between Susan and Sweet, and two T's between Sweet and Talk. Uh, a lot of people, sometimes they spell it wrong and they can't get at it. And the, the name of my book is uh, With Love and Keisha's. It's easier to find it on Amazon if you uh, type in With Love and Keisha's. You don't need to type in the, um, the tagline. I also would like to invite anybody who wishes to, to invite me to connect on LinkedIn, and I will surely, uh, I will surely uh, answer yes so that we can, uh, we can talk uh, back and forth. And I also, on my LinkedIn account and on my Facebook account, I uh, 
uh, a few times a week, I, I'll uh, just uh, type in something that I have on my mind having to do with business or something that's going on uh, currently that I think would help uh, having to do with everything's business related that I put on my LinkedIn account as well as my Facebook account so they can catch it. All right, so that's loveandkitches.com or susanssweettalk.com. I highly encourage you, our listeners, to go there now, www.loveandkitches.com. Um, look, at least be on her newsletter so you can be updated on what she's putting out there. And if her products and services resonate with you, I highly encourage you to jump in and make sure to pick up her book with Love and Kitches. Um, I'm sure we can all learn from the, the journey that she has from A to Z, uh, that when she, she discovered her passion that propelled her from where she is today. I love those kinds of stories. So pick up her book with Love and Kitches. It's available on her website, loveandkitches.com or through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And also connect with her through her social media profile to LinkedIn, to Facebook, as well as, and I'll make sure to have this on our our show notes. Again, those links are loveandkitches.com and susanssweettalk.com. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes. And by the way, all of these resources and the links that are mentioned in today's podcast will be made available in a beautiful infographic show notes at todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash Susan Axelrod or just type in her name on the search bar and it will find it for you. Again, the link is www.loveandkitches.com or www.susanssweettalk.com. Make sure to pick up her book with Love and Kitches on Amazon or on Barnes & Noble. Susan, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise for being a role model to many and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun and I enjoyed being here. Thank you for inviting me. Podcast your passion. Yes. Did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing. Talking to wonderful women every day here at today's Leading Women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top 10 resources that today's leading women use to stay at the top of their game, plus Marie's favorite today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash guide for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Today's Leading Women.